0: to serve others why do they choose to give their time their resources their energy maybe the answer is simple because they're compelled by love those three words are the heartbeat of the North Carolina missions offering which is your opportunity to support missions here in North Carolina the United States and around the world Providing relief for the moment and hope for the future is our heart's desire. Now more than ever, we stand by that promise. To share the gospel through word and deed. To make disciples. To help the hurting. To feed the hungry. To love those who've lost everything. To respond, no matter what the need. We've never stopped caring. We've never stopped being there, and we've never stopped responding, especially during these challenging times. And we'll continue to be there. One goal, one mission, one heartbeat, to make Christ known. Compelled by love, this is why we give.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Perry, and Brother Jonathan, thank you for your leadership, and thank you to these wonderful musicians. What an inspiring time of worship it's been so far. I have enjoyed it tremendously, and I invite you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 98, the 98th psalm, to which we will come shortly. Kali Dumedisa, Kaleina La Jesu. I greet you in the name of Jesus. I am very, very happy to be with you today. Delighted to be with you today. I'm thankful to your pastor, Scott Davis, for the invitation to be here. What a privilege it is to be with the Pitts Baptist Church. This church means so much to our family in so many ways and I'll just mention a couple of them one is your missions commitment what a missions commitment this church has I know of your generous wonderful giving through so many missions offerings and certainly through the cooperative program and through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international mention, missions as Kevin mentioned my wife, Sharon, and I serve with the International Mission Board. We are missionaries who serve in Botswana, which is in the southern region of Africa, just above South Africa. We are two of over 3,500 international missionaries serving with the International Mission Board across the globe. And we are so thankful for your support. And we're thankful for your support in prayer as well. I feel that some of the folks in the Pitts Baptist Church probably use the prayer calendar that guides you to pray for missionaries on their birthdays well if you do that then not this past week but the previous week you prayed for a colleague of ours who serves in Botswana Amanda Turner Amanda and Brent Turner are the other two international missionaries who serve in the country of Botswana they're in the capital city of Haberone this morning with their Of course, it's this afternoon now there, but they're in the city of Habaroni with their three children. Amanda's birthday was a couple of weeks ago, and you were praying for them. We all thank you so much. And then there's another reason I'm so very happy to be with the Pitts Baptist Church. And that is, as Kevin alluded to, your investment in and influence on Joseph Bridgman. Joe Bridgman is Shara's and my son-in-law. He's married to our daughter, Anna Still Bridgman. They recently received into their lives the wonderful blessing of Ruth Bridgman, our granddaughter. Joe is a wonderful husband. He is a wonderful father. He is a godly man who walks with the Lord Jesus Christ, and my wife and I are so thankful to God that he is our daughter's husband. And we appreciate the influence you've had on Joe. He spent a number of years in this church. He turned to Christ through the witness of the Pitts Baptist Church. So many people in this church have invested in Joe and been significant encouragers in his life. Before Joe and Anna got married, Kevin and his wife, Molly, Kevin Knight and Molly Knight, met with Joe and Anna a number of times for conversations in preparation for marriage. And it was so significant for Joe and Anna. We really appreciate the ministry of this church. I'm glad that uh, Scott and Connie are having family time at the beach I so hope that's going wonderfully for them. And I'm glad that since he's not here, I get to be here with you today. Let's turn to Psalm 98. And as I lead us in reading through this psalm, why don't you think what Christmas carol this reminds you of? Especially when we come to verses 4 through the end of the psalm, I will tell you that our subject this morning will be reasons for joy, reasons for joy. O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world. And those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Did a Christmas carol come to mind? How about joy to the world? joy to the world 1719 Isaac Watts penned the poem that we now know as the Christmas Carol joy to the world he based it on Psalm 98 which is about the Messiah's coming and kingdom according to Isaac Watts and I agree with him and I love that Christmas carol just this past Christmas on the Sunday before Christmas Shara and I walked into the Haberone Baptist Church in Botswana, and as we entered the church building, the congregation was singing Joy to the World in English. What a moment that was for me. Normally, we hear another language, le jesu, a song like that. There's no one like Jesus, and I love the indigenous songs. But on this morning, I was so happy to hear joy to the world. I think one of the reasons for that was that it struck a chord of nostalgia, probably so. Another reason is there is so much joy in the Lord, and I am happy that there is. Now, someone might say, "Koi, you know, lots happened since this past Christmas. Since this past Christmas, the times have gotten a little bit hard for joy. That's true. And I know a lot of us are feeling that. Restriction fatigue. Depression in varying degrees. Health uncertainties. Job uncertainties. Some announcements have come this past week, but still teachers... Parents, students, feeling uncertain, feeling unsettled about what's ahead. I really appreciate something that Oswald Chambers said to his wife. Some of you know Oswald Chambers from the devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. That is basically a collection of talks that Oswald Chambers gave when he was ministering to the Allied troops who were based in the deserts of Egypt, Egypt's in Africa. He went there and served as a missionary, as a chaplain to the Allied forces, and after his death, his wife compiled this talk, these talks in this much-loved devotional. Well, during the uncertain days before the beginning of World War II, He said this to his wife. He said, I am utterly uncertain of what we will face tomorrow. And I am utterly certain of God. Much joy. Much joy in his life due to that and related to the certainty that we have in God, grounded in the certainty that we have in God. Are three reasons for joy to which I want to call your attention in the 98th Psalm. Let's return to this first verse to see the first one, which is the Lord saves. The Lord saves. You see what is written here in verse 1? Oh, sing to the Lord, a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord saves. Israel, the people of God, could say that, couldn't they? About what God had done for them when they were in Egypt. In fact, this is what Moses said to them about what the Lord had done for them while they were in Egypt. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. Does that sound a bit like Psalm 98, verse 1? His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with great deeds of terror, ten plagues, with signs and wonders, Like the passage through the Red Sea. There were the children of Israel. They'd come out of Egypt and the Egyptian army pursued them. They had the army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them and for a whole night a great wind from the Lord blew on that water and separated it so that it was in two parts like a wall on the right hand and a wall on the left hand with a road through the sea and this mighty wind from the Lord dried out the floor of the sea so that the children of Israel went through on dry ground and then after they had gone through the Egyptians who had followed behind them and who intended to take them back into the cruel and unjust slavery under which they had suffered were covered over by the water and destroyed, defeated. And so the children of Israel, on the far shore from Egypt of the Red Sea, they sang, and they danced. Miriam took up a tambourine. The women danced. The people of Israel sang and danced. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Can you hear the joy in that? How about the people whom Jesus touched with a healing touch, whom Jesus does touch with a healing touch. They could say, they can say this, the Lord saves. After Jesus left the synagogue in Capernaum, he went into the house of Simon Peter that was located in that little village, and Simon Peter's mother in law was lying sick with fever. Fever was a big deal in the first century, and fever is a pretty big deal nowadays, too, isn't it? And Jesus stretched out his hand and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her. And then not too long after that, Jesus was walking through Galilee and a leper came toward him and called out to him and said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was... Moved with compassion for the man. Moved with pity. And he stretched out his hand. He had a holy arm and a mighty hand. And he stretched out his hand and he touched the man. He touched him. And he said to him, I am willing. Be clean. It was kind of like saying... Be saved from your disease. Be saved from your suffering. Be saved from your marginalization. Be saved from your isolation. And when he said it to the man, the leprosy left him, and he was clean. The Lord saves. And every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can say this about what Jesus has done for us. You remember what was said about Jesus even before he was born when an angel from the Lord visited Joseph? The angel said to him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's going to bear a son, and you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Lord saves. Call him Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Jesus means the Lord saves and Jesus grew to adulthood and he made a practice of spending time with people who were recognized as sinful. He spent time with sinners and he got criticized for it. And you remember how he explained why he was doing what he was doing? He said, the Son of Man, and that was a reference to himself, that was one of Jesus' favorite self-identifications. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. This is what the Apostle Paul said about him. He said, this is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He went on to say there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all men. The Lord says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is good news to me because... I am, yes, a sinner, and I was a sinner. I was a sinner in need of salvation. I've been walking with Jesus, believing in Jesus for 40 years, a little bit longer than that now. I was a boy when I turned to Jesus, already aware I was a sinner. Oh, so many ways. I sinned against God. I'll just mention a couple of them. One is I lied. I said things that weren't true. So that means I was a liar. I also took things that didn't belong to me, they belonged to other people. I knew they belonged to other people. I knew it was wrong for me to take them. In other words, I stole them. Sometimes I lied about stealing. In other words, I was a liar and a thief. And my eyes were opened. And I saw that I was under condemnation, a sentence of condemnation. And I was headed toward judgment by God. And I needed forgiveness. I heard about Jesus Christ again. (laughs) And I turned to Jesus Christ as my Savior. And He took my Sins away. The Lord saves. That is good news. It was good news for me. And it's good news for you as well. And it's a reason for joy. Now there's another reason for joy in the 98th Psalm. That I'll mention to you now. And that is that the Lord makes his salvation known. The Lord saves. And the Lord makes his salvation known. Let's look now at the second verse. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. Good news is better to us when it comes to us. <laughs> it comes to us as news that can make a real difference in our lives. Notice this phrase, He has revealed His righteousness. He's revealed His righteousness. That's a beautiful phrase, isn't it? Revealed His righteousness. And it's not too difficult to understand in reference to some things. We talked about the Lord bringing His people out of Egypt when they were under a cruel and unjust yoke of slavery. That makes sense to me as a revelation of God's righteousness. It's just the right thing for God to have done. He had entered into a covenant with Abraham, He had extended his covenant to Abraham's descendants. He did not like the injustice that was being done to them in Egypt. And so remembering his covenant, he acted righteously and delivered those people from Egypt. Isn't it wonderful when God does something like that that is so obviously an expression of his righteousness? Of course, this phrase does raise a question Particularly in reference to somebody like you. I'm I'm sorry, somebody like me. And maybe you're a little bit like me. I did mean to say somebody like me. Somebody who is a liar and a thief and receives salvation. Now, how is that an expression of God's righteousness? How can God be righteous and save someone who is a liar and a thief? How can God be righteous and save someone who is unrighteous and remain righteous? Another way to think about that is how can God be just, a just God, and save the unjust Or declare the unjust to be just, not guilty, and still remain just himself? How can this be? That's one of the big questions that the Bible deals with. And this phrase, revealed his righteousness, comes up again. Slightly different form, but same meaning a number of times in the Bible, including in Romans chapter 3. And I'm just going to cite a few of the occurrences there and what Paul explains regarding our salvation there. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been manifested, it has been revealed. And then in uh, verse 25... This was to show God's righteousness, to show God's righteousness, to reveal God's righteousness. And then in uh, verse 26, it was to show His righteousness at the present time. It was to reveal His righteousness, or to show His righteousness Now let's see what Paul is explaining when he's using this phrase that is so similar to the one we've seen in Psalm 98 in verse 2. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. That is as... A wrath-bearing sacrifice, a sacrifice in which the just wrath of God, the righteous wrath of God, has been endured by the one who is sacrificed. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so, God, who is just, expresses his just wrath against Jesus, the sacrifice for sinners, so that. Sinners may receive forgiveness from God and be declared not guilty. God has been just in expressing his wrath and he has justified those on whom he is having mercy. What a magnificent thing! Of Jesus, it is said. He who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might be the righteousness of God in Him. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, making the way for us to be saved. Oh, He has revealed His righteousness. And it is humbling and beautiful to see what Jesus Christ has done for me. Have you seen it? It's there for all the world to see. How do people see it? Well, frankly, they see it in the kind of thing that's happening right now. The Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Galatia, and he said to them, he said, before your very eyes, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Had those people to whom Paul was writing been just outside Jerusalem watching Jesus as he died historically on the cross? No, not at all. Paul and others like him had gone to where they were and they had proclaimed Jesus as a great Savior who loves sinners and who says to people like us, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest from your sins. I'll give you rest from your guilt. I'll give you rest from your shame. I'll give you rest from your fear. Jesus Christ Says unto us, come unto me. Can you hear it? And do you see what he did on the cross so that we are able to come to him? Can you behold the man? After he has been flogged and is wearing the crown of thorns. What an insult to the Son of God, and what an expression of love for him to endure this. Can you behold the man on the cross suffering there? A little bit of imagination will help. And what will really help is if you will open your heart to the work of the Spirit of God so that your spiritual eyes are open and ears are open to hear the message of Christ and the invitation that He extends to you. Blessed cross, blessed sepulchre, blessed rather be, the man who there suffered shame for me so that the righteousness of God has been revealed in the door being thrown wide open for every sinner who is willing to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. So that in the sight of the nations the revelation of God is on display so that to the ends of the earth it has been seen. Well, it's been seen in Africa. It is now seen in Africa. It will be seen in Africa and it will be proclaimed from Africa to the ends of the earth. From very early on, not long after... The Lord Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. There was a man who was from Ethiopia on the road to Gaza, leaving from Jerusalem, headed back to Ethiopia, his home country. What continent is Ethiopia on? It's on the continent of Africa. And there goes that man. And God sent his messenger, Philip, to tell the man the good news about Jesus. And the man believed on Jesus and received baptism and went on his way to Ethiopia rejoicing. A man who had seen the revelation of God's righteousness. A man who now knew the Lord saves and he has saved me. And a man who was quite capable of communicating that message to people in Ethiopia. By the 4th century and into the 5th century, there's a man who lived in Algeria today. Algeria, what continent is Algeria on? That's on the continent of Africa. St. Augustine, among the most influential theologians in the history of Christianity. A wonderful preacher, a wonderful pastor, a wonderful writer, and through the centuries, at times in much greater numbers than at other times, God has been bringing people to himself on the continent of Africa. I've made a new friend recently. His name is Jones Enzi. He's from the country of Cameroon. That's in West Africa. Jones and I have begun working on a writing project together. We're writing a little book that's entitled The Doctrine of the Church in an Africa theology series in which... IMB theologians are co-writing with African-born theologians. All of us live in Africa, and we are writing to Africa for Africans. We are, in a sense, Africans writing to Africans and for Africans, and that's one of the things I'm working on during this period. And it's a great privilege to be working with Jones. Thirty years ago, he was a teenager in the capital city of Cameroon. And he heard a preacher preach in a chapel service in the school that he attended. He was coming out of darkness in African traditional religion, ancestor worship, witch doctor involvement. Oh, the whole whole, uh, package with the witch doctors the potions to drink and the uh, ointments to spread, the rituals to perform, the incantations to be spoken, the strange phenomena, the activity of evil spirits. This is the darkness in which he lived. And then he heard the message of Jesus Christ and a light began dawning in his heart. This is the way Paul would describe it. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is what Jones saw. And he turned to Jesus Christ as his Savior. His life was radically changed. He has been a pastor. He is now a Ph.D. in New Testament. And he is training African pastors to be faithful pastors of churches that, God allow it, will be sending out African missionaries to the ends of the earth. I mention that not because I led Jones to the Lord. I was in Louisville, Kentucky 30 years ago when that happened to Jones. I say that because this is a friend of mine. God's done a marvelous work in him. And this also is what we envision being a part of. African churches sending African missionaries to the ends of the earth. Well, let's move to the third reason and spend just a moment or two on it. The Lord saves. The Lord makes His salvation known. And then, thirdly, the Lord will come to judge. The Lord will come to judge. Notice in Psalm 98, in verses 7 through 9, especially we move now to the ninth, Verse: He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now notice that His coming in judgment is a reason for much joy. And it will be a reason for much joy if the light has dawned in your heart and you've you've answered the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Notice in the uh, 95th Psalm, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let us kneel. There's a call, and the call is to bow the knee of your heart to a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is willing to receive you unto Himself. While there is still time, don't delay it. Don't wait. Don't hide behind some thought like, well, I'll bow when it's closer to the time. I'll bow when he comes. As C.S. Lewis said, it does no good to say you'll choose to bow at a time at which it will no longer be possible to stand. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day to be saved. Will you turn to Jesus Christ today and be saved? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know that he has saved you? Well, if so, if so, then you can know that his coming to judge will be his coming to complete our salvation. God has declared that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. God has made promises to us in Christ Jesus. He has purposes to accomplish and has made promises which he is committed to fulfill. And so it is righteous for him to declare us righteous in judgment. And it is equitable. He will judge the peoples with equity. It is equitable for him to ensure that we receive all that he has purposed for us to receive, and that he keeps every promise he has determined to make to us. We could talk about that a good while, but maybe, maybe this will be enough. In Romans in chapter 8, the apostle Paul looked back in time and looked forward with time and spoke a word that is both historical and prophetic at the same time. He said, Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also Glorified. It is as certain as if it were already done. It is yet to take place. And it will take place when He comes. You know, we are citizens of heaven. And from there we await a Savior. Who when He comes will transform our lowly body. To be like his glorious body. With the power that is his. To subject all things to himself. Oh, you may know that wonderful Christian woman, Johnny Erickson. Who is now 71 years old. She's got a birthday coming up in October. And she has now been over 50 years in that wheelchair as a quadriplegic after that diving accident that was so tragic in her teenage years. And though she's been in the wheelchair for over 50 years, oh, how she's walked with Jesus. And she talks about how she looks forward to what we've just been talking about. God keeping that promise for utter Complete transformation into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfection, completion of the work of His salvation. And she talks about how she longs for that. And she looks forward to that. Having a body, resurrection body, that is whole and strong, yes! And also being fully freed from the sins with which she has struggled through her life and made completely and finally and perfectly into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. How she longs for it. And we can long for it. And we can be certain that we will have it if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we be certain that we have it? How can we be certain? I mean, look at all we face. Look at all the challenges, the difficulties, the dangers. Look at all the tribulations. Look at all the trials. Look at all the temptations. How can we be certain that we have it? Well, here's an answer. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, how do we know that God is for us? How can we settle that with certainty? Well... Here's the answer. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, all things that he has purposed for us to have? All things that He has promised, we will have. The cross of Jesus Christ confirms forever that every believer has reason for joy in the Lord. The Lord saves. The Lord makes His salvation known. And the Lord comes to judge, and His coming to judge is His coming to complete our salvation. There's no question about it. God has committed Himself to this irrevocably by giving His Son for us on the cross. Let us pray. Our Father, I pray that the brothers and sisters of the Pitts Baptist Church will have all the joy in you that is right for them to have this very day. And I pray, O God, that this very day the Lord Jesus himself, the Lord Jesus himself would be profoundly attractive to people who need a savior we know he's a wonderful savior for real sinners and we ask O lord that someone would come to know him as their savior today in his name we pray amen